With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV and it's good to be with you. Appreciate you being with us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. That's Director Matthew. And if you missed it last hour, some sound from the newcomers, transfers and the like making their way to Tallahassee. Go back and check that out. Also check the website warchant.com if you're wanting to hear all of the latest. That includes Jalen Lucas, the transfer from Indiana who can really fly uh, special teams guy, running back, Marvin Jones Jr., who you know I'm excited to have in town. We talked about uh, uh, Lola Hea and what a cool story that is. If you hadn't heard that, you'll want to hear him uh, talk to it. Cam Davis, that's a man-child making his way to Tallahassee and excited to hear from him as well. So any of those guys and, of course, all the others that have preceded those interviews that we've uh, obtained so far since the offseason began and people arrived, just go to warchant.com. You'll see all their stuff on Warchant TV as well. Of course, I mentioned Florida State's victory over Boston College. You're better off if you didn't watch it. Just know that they won. That's what really matters. I was excited about that. They won the game, which means I'll tell you what the number one thing is there, Tom. We didn't talk about this last hour, and we won't belabor the point because people uh, right now are disinterested in basketball and, you know, frankly, for pretty decent reasons. But when they gave up over 100 points to Louisville, I thought there was a very good chance we were about to watch them quit. And I was very concerned about that because you can't – I mean, that is a bottom dweller. They gave up on average more than 30 points or above Louisville's average. They gave up 30-plus points more than they score night to night. That's crazy. That speaks to uh, maybe on the surface in the eyes of some uh, a sorry effort. Uh, and so you wondered – when you lose to a team that's ranked below Lipscomb, you're out of the NCAA tournament. And they had been playing really well, I'm sure, with the idea that they were going to try to keep it together and maybe make an outside chance of a run at said tournament. Well, that's off the table when you lose to Louisville. And when things start getting pulled as opportunity, right, disinterest as a way of seeping in 
We've seen this in football where if your goal was to make the college football playoff and you don't, what can happen? We've seen before when your goal, and I'm going back years, was to maybe win the conference. And then when that's mathematically off the table, you, you don't have the kind of year you were hoping for, you see guys occasionally go through the motions. Shouldn't happen, but it does. Well, I really thought we might not see a very good effort, but they did play hard on defense last night, and they did from jump from the jump. They got out to a great start. They were forcing turnovers, and they were able to get out to a big lead, held on for dear life, and it was an ugly game, and they won it. Uh, you know, they don't shoot the three well, so it's not surprising to see them have a terrible percentage from beyond the arc. They don't shoot well, period. Uh, but, they, but they won the game, and so maybe there's an outside chance at the uh, NIT. I, I just – because here's what I'm gonna here's what I'm saying bluntly, if they had revealed it to all of us that they were quitting, Ham Ham would need to be fired at the end of the year. Well, had that didn't. had that happened, they didn't. And two years ago, they did in this same spot, similar spot, same building. They lost seventy one fifty five to Boston College. That was one of those nights that looked a lot like several others. North Carolina road trip from a couple of years back is is another one of those examples. They didn't do that last night. Now, it was always within a couple of possessions, but this game could not have been more different than the Louisville game, not just when you're talking about the game total, but the Louisville game was Whistlefest 2024. It was hideous, yeah. And this one, that, that where they shoot? Like 12, 15 free throws combined between the two teams? Yeah. I think the refs wanted to get out of Dodge. They're like, whatever. You, you can. This is old school right here. You can elbow. You can do whatever the hell you want contact-wise, and we're going to let you guys play. So these were two completely opposite games. But then if you're just looking for a marker, the last couple of seasons, they did pack it in. And they did in a building like that, uninspired as Boston College's gym is. Like, even when we were really good, that it was, well, we struggled was a rest there. Yeah, It's like going to Georgia Tech. You know, like those two places, just for whatever reason, they don't inspire anything out of you on the court. And in this spot, they do finish the job. They're up five late. And then you got to survive and sweat some bullets with under 20 seconds to go. But they do it. They get the job done. And, and now see if you can get a win to get the spirits back up. But it just it feels like we're all staggered for good reasons. And we'll, we'll see what happens coming out of the stretch. But the Louisville loss still stings. This at least stops the bleeding. It doesn't replace it. Doesn't make you feel better. But it stops the bleeding. Yeah, it just means they didn't quit. And I was really worried that if they had, I'd have to come on here and say, that's it. That's all. Um you're right, by the way. Nobody shot free throws last night. It was something to behold, but at least it, at least it wasn't disjointed. Um, there were 57 fouls called in the Louisville game that you were talking about, that debacle. Uh, just 23 uh, called, I guess, last night. Is that right? Sounds right. I mean, a lot of them, obviously, they didn't get to the line very often either way. So, yeah, it was pretty even in both halves. I think the first half, it was like a half dozen free throws between the two teams. It was something ridiculous. But, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of we're going to be here for three hours, give up 100 points, and, you know, a kid who <laughs> goes off one out of every five games is going to have the night of his life uh, versus last night, which is a slop fest but a victory, and you get out of Dodge in some reasonable fashion, you take last night all the way. Here's the only thing I'll add to it before moving forward. That is the upcoming schedule coupled with what did last night's win do, if anything, for us. It didn't do anything to improve the net rankings. They entered the game 94th. Uh, they're still 94th, 
BC dropped from 90th to 93 by losing to us. Uh, Wake Forest blew out Georgia Tech, ranked 123rd heading into last night's game by 29 points, shot up 10 spots in the net ranking for comparison from 42nd to 32nd. The net doesn't reward teams um, for necessarily blowing out their opponents regardless of how bad they are as it supposedly is a reflection of a team's offensive and defensive efficiency. The net rewards a team for winning a close game if it's against a quality opponent. So see Clemson last night jumping from 37 to 31 with a four-point road win against North Carolina, which was a good game. I don't know if you watched it. Um, when you rack up close wins against bad opponents, it doesn't help you. That's a long-winded way of me saying that. The schedule coming up, however, does provide opportunities. I suppose you could be a spoiler. You have, uh, Tom, if you will, with me. Here comes Virginia. I don't know how that works with the delay. Does it work? It did. It didn't work at all. Okay. I was left out in the lurch. I don't think you were ready. Uh, that is Saturday night at the TLC Double C. The Cavs have rattled off seven straight wins, so that doesn't bode well for us. They're eighteen and five, nine and three in the ACC. The net of thirty-four after a sixty to thirty-eight win over Miami. My God, thirty-eight points in a basketball game, Miami. Stop it! I know that's what Virginia does, but it's a damn shame. Somebody should ban Virginia from playing college basketball. It's criminal. It is criminal to watch this team. Hate it. Uh, FSU travels to Virginia Tech after that. They have a net of fifty-four. So you see where I'm going here. You have a chance against a, a 34 and a 54, followed by a home game against Duke, which is 21st. Next three games will tell you whether you have any shot at all of um, seeing the NIT. That or it's the beep beep. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I think if you handle your two Virginia games, if you can get the two dubs against Virginia and the Hokies, then you host Duke right after that. You might get the juices back just a little bit, but you there is no there, there's no uh, gray area here. Like legitimately, you got to beat both Virginia teams in order to feel like all right. There's a little Uncle Mo back on our side here. We're squarely in the ding-ding. Maybe could we make some noise with a, a win over a top-10 Duke team at home? You can't go one-on-one in the stretch. So it does start Saturday night. That crowd, if, if they show up, they're going to be very enthusiastic, I would think, on Saturday, students especially. Yeah, you kind of got to win, like, the next three games. <laughs> you kind of got to win the next three games. But if you win the next two, that Duke game does have some stakes to it. It's got a little juice to it. If you split these next two or, you know, heaven forbid you lose both, that game is just like, well, could they do something cool for a night? But it would be more than something cool for a night if you're on a three-game win streak hosting Duke. Noel Dad asked in the chat, is the beep beep at least vaping now? No more Winstons. Yeah, I don't I don't think that the beep beep strikes me as a person or a thing that would ever switch to vaping. He's not into style points. He's not doing what the kids are doing today. He's still stuck on the old Winstons, probably the maybe even the Cools. Like he's going menthol. He's going. He's old school. He's he's going menthol. How you doing? Good to see you again. It's the beep beep. I'm right here waiting on you. Yeah, the beep beep is waiting on us. He is very close to to like coming around the bend. He knows his time is is nearly arrived. He is like, mm-hmm. A nice win last night there. You got the you got that one. I'll see you guys soon enough. You got Virginia coming to town. There's a lot of that up here. 
I don't want to call it like a beer and cigarettes town, like a Jacksonville or a Tampa. Like they're, they're used more as utility to keep people warm up here. <laughs> but there, there's a, hey, Tommy, you got the heater? I'm freezing. That's the heat. That's why they're the heater. That's why they're heaters, man. <laughs> yeah. You got to how you, Tommy? How you doing? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, huh? oh, boy. yeah. Better than you, man. Better, better than, than you. you. Better than you. Yeah. Freezing their ass. My granddad was a two pack a day uh, guy and uh, he's dead. It's not surprising, but it has been for a long time. He was awesome. He was awesome. But uh, and funny. But there's pictures of him when he's so young. It's crazy. It's like those black and white photos of folks that are 15 years old, just standing out in a field smoking. You're like, good God, life was tough. He'd probably been up since four, digging somewhere. You never like. It seems like everybody back then was just digging. I gotta get up tomorrow and do some digging. Me too. The two kids talking with that voice were ten. They were ten years old. They were about to do some digging for something. Who knows? Probably until they hit rock. Uh, I do. I will get out early here on this segment because earlier today I had the good fortune to catch up with Link Jarrett. Obviously, that was a tough first year. That's a tough first year, and when you've won everywhere you've ever been, when you've won, when you've been the coach of the year, when you've had all of these moments, and then you come back home, you come back home to the place you love, where you grew up, and where you dreamt of playing and eventually did, and where you had an All-American career and then hope to get back to someday, and then you come back, and that happens. That that was a – what a – a confluence of events that lead to a season a year ago that had us turning away in horror. So I wanted to ask him broadly, uh, without getting too specific, although we do dabble in some names here, before we get to opening day, I wanted to talk to him a little bit about the offseason because it's been a crazy one. I, I will preface this by telling you, uh, I think over half of the roster is now made up of new faces that you've not heard of before, or if you've heard of them, you've heard of them in passing or seen very little of them. So we wanted to talk to him about that. Obviously, we're going to talk to him about the memorial service this Saturday for 11 over at Hauser. Uh, fan day is uh, not too distant. Uh, February 18th, we got opening day coming up. So there's so much to, to, that's on our plate. We'll talk to, to Link again before that first game and get very specific about positions and rotation. Uh, but this was a broader conversation that I had with him earlier today. You'll hear it next on the Jeff Cameron Show. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. 
Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. Whether making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy, the Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, WarChant TV. Great opportunity right now to catch up with the head man himself, Link Jarrett. FSU Baseball joins us on the Jeff Cameron Show. Kind enough to do that. We appreciate it. Link, uh, first, I got to ask you right off the bat. First of all, thanks for joining us. Secondly, uh, obviously, we've all had a chance to kind of reflect on what Mike Martin meant to so many people, this community, university, obviously you and others as players and coaches. And, um, you know, I've enjoyed that process, as sad as it is to lose him. I've enjoyed hearing the reflections. This weekend, uh, memorial service this Saturday, I guess if you'd like, anything you'd like to add? I know you've had some official comments on the record, but this is the first we've had a chance to sit down and talk with since it happened. Yeah, Jeff, um, 11 Number one, he gave me a chance as a player, and and I was not a fantastic player. There was no line of people waiting to recruit me. After my senior year was over, in the middle of the summer, he invited me onto the team, and he gave me a chance. And as you move through the years of, for me, the impact he had, and other players would tell you the same thing, he, by nature, brought out the best in us in, in more ways than just between the white lines. Like, he was a fantastic husband, and we saw that, an amazing father and grandfather. And as the years and decades moved along and you appreciate the totality of Eleven and how he carried himself, that stands out to me as much as anything that, that happened on that field. and. I played a lot of innings for him and was very fortunate. Sometimes I wondered if that if that was in his best interest to actually have me out there all the time. Um, he made me better as a player than I probably thought I could be. And if that's not the essence of coaching, I really don't know what is. But I also absorbed and modeled like how he did things as a human being. So – there were two parts of that, and and eventually they they did mesh in in his professional role. But it's the totality of how he carried himself and his feel, his presence, his integrity, the class with which he treated everybody that was involved in the program or touched the program. And he was the best. And you can take the wins, the wins, and the the number and the winningest coach ever is one thing, but how he did it and how you felt as he did it is what made him not only the best between the lines, but, but the best off the field too. It's been fun. As I said, to reflect, to hear so many people such as yourself who were coached by him and, and, and affected by who he was as a man. I talked to a ton of ex players. I've talked to obviously a lot of fans 
And they share a, a very similar sentiment, Link, that, you know, the wins are the wins. They're, they're there to look at, and we can talk about it, and it's amazing. It's certainly a reflection of how effective a coach he was. But most people do what you just did, which is talk about the man himself and how he impacted you off the field. And that's been really kind of a, an enriching thing, to be able to hear that over and over and again from fans, players, coaches, administrators, all within seconds saying, yeah, but it was who he was as a man. There's no doubt. I mean, it, it stands out. Like, the moment you meet him, you know that he has it. And we talk about the it factor, and he, he had it in every walk of life. And I got to see him um, before he passed. And um, what Carol supported him through and how she handled it, absolutely, she's an amazing lady. And I want Saturday's event to be the best we can possibly make it, the best day for her, the family, for 11. There's going to be hundreds, hundreds of former players. When you start getting into the former assistant coaches, staffing, managers, people that were involved in the program, that's that's who's going to be out here behind home plate. It's going to be incredible. And um, I, I think that'll summarize the look of this stadium when you look behind home plate in the grandstand I think you will feel the levity of what he was able to do in terms of how he made people feel like they belong to the program aside from from just the players it's, it was an amazing trait he had and nobody did it better not an easy transition but we will talk some baseball here now as I wanted certainly to give you the opportunity to talk about 11 there. Fan days coming up in not too distant future. I, you know, in preparation for this, I had to refamiliarize myself with the roster. And in doing that, Link, good God, man, can you name the, the, the all your players? You, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, now you tell me if I got these numbers wrong because I didn't think this was legal, but I don't know what the rules are anymore. Do you have 45-plus players on this roster? Well, you, you do. 40 is the number, and then – you're going to have injured players that by rule don't count. Okay. And, you know, you have a couple pitchers in high school that unfortunately in our sport, like the arm injury is real and it happens and they're out for the year. So we're really right where we need to be. Jeff, I'm just going to tell you, and you could talk to Coach Norvell and you can talk to Leonard and you can talk to Brooke. You, you, talent acquisition warfare and how you land players in this day and age of college athletics is unlike anything any of us have ever seen. And I've been doing this 25 years. This summer, what we went through to try to onboard talent, it's just an unprecedented era of transition and movement in college athletics. And when you factor in in our sport, there's no other sport on this campus. Hockey would be the only other thing that's even close to what we deal with with the draft and the timing of the draft and how you navigate who actually is going to show up there was a period of time late in the summer when we had mid 50s on our roster wow and you have to because all of a sudden johnny signs and timmy signs and randy signs and scott signs and this happens and then there's a free agent and doug kirkland signs as a free agent and all of a sudden the reality of what we deal with at the finish line is like, it's incredible. So to get to 44, not all 44 are healthy, but 
to get to the number, if you're not at 54, 55, you're fooling yourself. Like you will be left completely bare. And in that summer, in that summer period, if you're going to entertain transfers, that has to happen as soon as the season ends and that transfer portal opens. And if you're not on it, like I think it opens, shoot, I, I can't even remember the dates, but it's in some respects, the season is still going. The post, like if you're not involved in those conversations to land some of these players, then you're, you're going to be stuck. And you can ask Mike and the other coaches, like what it's like to try to build that roster. It does give you an opportunity when you have transition to try to fill some of the gaps that you have. And hopefully that's what we did. Now we filled it. To what extent did we fill it and the capabilities of some of these sophomores and some of these junior college players that are in here to step out onto this field? Um, that's where the rubber will meet the road ultimately. But yeah, Jeff, I've never been through. We onboarded 26 players, I think. I think pretty much a split, nine division one transfers, which is hard to do four junior college transfers, lost a couple junior college transfers in the draft, lost some other transfers to the draft. And then you have your young group. So if you look at your Cam Smith and Jamie Arnold and Ben Barrett, names that you're going to remember from last year, you have to have those good young freshmen that are growing and maturing with the program. And we have that group this year. It's when those guys start to engage in the workload that really should be reflective of the rest of the roster. You shouldn't always have to thrust freshmen into the fire. So the older group, the transfers, your Cam Lighters, your Daniel Cantu, Noah Short, Marco Dingis, Carson Dorsey, you can just go on and on. That gives you some maturity. And then you also onboard your younger pups and you try to develop them and let them grow and learn and get stronger. That's really how you have to function in college athletics. And I think you'll see a better representation of that on our field this year. And clearly you see it on the roster. Yeah, it's, it's I love talking to coaches about this because as you noted, it is an unprecedented time and, and, and it can be overwhelming. I can only imagine to try to be doing so many things at the same time, but you have no choice. This is the task at hand. It is talent acquisition, as you noted, and there were holes to be filled on this roster, as we both know. And so it's got to be incredibly frustrating. You think you have it done, and then, like you said, somebody decides to, to, to go pro or whatever it might be, and the next thing you know, you've got to pivot and you've got to look at another kid, which means if you're, if you're, you're going to have 50, you were, looking at, <clears throat> you were looking at 100, you were looking at 70. I mean, it's, it's ongoing yeah, yeah, all yeah, the time. Sure. We talked about it the other day. I think anybody would tell you this. If, if you're going after the group you need to go after, you might your ratio might be you're recruiting four to fill that one pitching spot that you're trying to fill. But if you're trying to fill five pitching spots, think about how many players you're yeah. trying to engage and recruit and visit and talk to, to to land the four or five or six that you need. Now, this isn't something that you can do every year. But but clearly last summer we were in a position where we had to we had to do it. And quite frankly, you rewind the year before, there really wasn't nobody was here to to do it. So the fact that we were here gave us a head start on on grabbing some of these some of these players. 
and it is not it is not easy. And it, as this was going on, I was trying to get Chuck the head coaching job at Navy and Rich the head coaching job at UCF, and they got it. So, you know, thank goodness, Micah. The, the most important factor in in their exodus and Micah and Ty onboarding was the the pitching coach. Like these high profile arms want to talk about the pitching coach's developmental plan. What technology do you have? What is the facility like? What is your plan? What is your throwing program? What data do you look at? What video system do you use? So that was a critical piece. And Micah, he gets it. If there's anybody that understands the the necessity to mesh the technology with the old school, the verbiage, the analytics, the data, the track man, all of the nuances of this, he gets it. So having somebody that knows that, knew Tallahassee, knew our program, knew what was going on, having him get in here quickly was so important. And I talked to Rich this morning. Those guys got fantastic head coaching jobs, and it's not easy. There's people that interview and interview and never have the opportunity to get those head coaching jobs. So those guys are in a great position now. Having Micah on board, Ty has recruited players from 39 states and knows the country. He's great, played for me, knows my language. So we're in a good place. But when you go back to the talent acquisition, those arms, they want to talk to that pitching coach. And thank goodness we were able to get him in here quickly. You know, it's interesting, Link, going back a ways, certainly. Uh, you know, I'm 52 years old. Love baseball. We used to just say about a guy's breaking ball that it fell off the table or it was nasty or whatever it was. Now we talk about spin rate. We talk about 3,000 RP. We all that stuff. Like if you yeah. talk to a kid who pitches, nobody uses the same phrases. It's all the technical terms that you're referencing. Like they have to be able to sit down across from a pitching coach and they have to have what to, to, to the layman like me who's not in the game on a daily basis but reads all about what the techno, you know, technological advances – it's a foreign language. It's amazing when they start talking pitching. To tell you how far it's gone, Seth Manus was our graduate assistant last year. Seth Manus pitched in the big leagues for six years. Yeah. He was one of the most consistent relievers in Major League Baseball in that span. Um, he, he was talking to some guys that were in, like, front office Major League Baseball organizations and player development. He said, Link, as I talked to these guys, I felt like there were moments where I didn't understand pitching in the game. They were using language and terms that I was not comfortable with. And some of these guys had never actually pitched and right. did it in the big leagues. So that can tell you where this industry can go when you're analyzing 25 different metrics on every pitch that is thrown and then you get into the kinesiology of the delivery and the body and how the body works and what's the body doing on a breaking ball we've gone way beyond even the analytics of of the ball in some of the nuances that they're grabbing so it is fascinating when we talk about this with our team often we did create a pitching lab like it's a neat little space where we have the track man in the cage took a cage down track man they're just dedicated for pitching really cool tv super slow motion camera because the kids have grown up in a training setting and if you want to call it a laboratory setting and they do all their preseason winter work in these settings what they sometimes have to remember is 
at the end of the day, when you're right out on that mound on this field, there is no mid-pitch analytical adjustment. It's competition. So going from that setting into real world, what is the hitter doing? Can you get this guy out? Can you control the running game? Can you field your position? That still exists, but I think it's waning in terms of what they've grown up doing. So it's really, it's really a fascinating era we're in, you know, in terms of the technology. Because I've had the good fortune of talking to you in the past and some of your assistant coaches, I know that one of the things that you really value when you're recruiting a kid is where can he play championship defense for me? Right. When you said that you and I've talked about this briefly and you, you want, when you're recruiting guys, when your staff is recruiting guys and you, you want them to come to you and say, this guy's a championship defender at second left field, whatever it might be. Right. I felt like, and you may disagree with me, when I watched last year's team, you had guys that had to play in some cases out of position because of their bat. You had to get them in the lineup and they weren't necessarily comfortable where they were playing, but you had to get them in there. And other guys that, you know, just maybe were, you thought long-term that might be their position, but they weren't championship level defenders yet at that particular position. Bottom line is, I've, I've, they, you, to me, it looked like a team of guys that was kind of out of place to some degree, not everybody, but do you share that? And do you think that as we look at this overview coming into this season, you've been able to remedy some of that? You nailed it. Like, believe me. <laughs> I, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, those dudes out there, as tough as that was last year, but, but hey, it's tough on everybody. Some dudes out there laid it on the line, like, with all they had. I mean, Colton Vincent, like, yeah. the every inning. Um, Nander coming back. Nander wasn't even on our team. Like, we, we didn't really have a lot of middle infield depth. Cam Smith had never played third. He's laying it on the line. It wasn't always pretty. Um, but those dudes laid it on the line. And Colton Vincent getting a chance to go out and play professional baseball was probably the neatest thing that happened as the dust settles with, with last year's draft. Really cool. Um, Jeff, I think we've moved the needle on that. I, I always assess when you go around the diamond, not just one deep, how many functional left fielders do you have that can play really like you're talking about championship level outfield defense, center field, right field, third base, shortstop, second, middle infield depth. Do you have a first baseman that is fundamentally sound, adept, understands the nuances of that position? And how much depth do you have behind the plate? Clearly better. Clearly better. I think the physicality of the group, you look at Tibbs and Ferrer and Smith, and and you kind of go down the line of some of these guys that you've seen play, Diamez Ross, Kamaka. The physicality of the group on the field, you'll notice it. Just the raw depth of having some options is also noticeable to me. Then you look at how well does that group function as a team, like a team unit. Concerns that I have are just pure defensive instinct. That has been something as a coach, whether it's the fact that in the, the time leading into being on this campus, like the travel ball circuit, they get to play a lot of games, but the practice repetition and the base running and the instincts of defense, I think our game overall 
has forced college coaches to spend more time on trying to teach the instincts of the game defensively because we practice hard and the reps are game light. And those are new to some of these players that may not have had summer and fall actual old school Legion ball practices and ground balls and reps and BP and base run. So I do have concerns still with our overall defensive instincts. I think if you were to showcase the talent defensively, the arm strength, the range, the running speed, the fielding ability, better. It, those defensive instincts are still something that I do have concerns with. When you go to the pitching side, when you look at Jamie Arnold and Cam Leiter and Carson Dorsey and Connor Whitaker and Ben Barrett and some of these guys that profile as potential starting pitchers, on that side of the ball, how comfortable are they lengthening out those starts? You know, can somebody give you six, seven innings consistently? That changes the whole dynamic of the week. Like when you have to start cranking yeah. that bullpen up in the third and fourth inning, that's not how you want to do it. And we have some really nice variety in the bullpen. But at the end of the day, Cam Leiter and Jamie Arnold and Whitaker and Tejeda and Dorsey and some of these guys, you, you, you're not going to know all these names yet. If they can lengthen this out and do what you would hope your, your frontline starting pitching guys can do, the pitching staff has a chance to be pretty cool to watch. Um, we got Noah Short, a side armor from the University of West Virginia. We've got Armstrong and Oxford, and we have a, a junior college pitcher, left-handed pitcher, Holt's got a really good, really good breaking ball, hard torquing breaking ball. Um, you've got some good variety, and then you have your younger freshmen that that are waiting in the wings and are developing, but um, lighter, Arnold. Dorsey, Whitaker, extending outings, Ben Barrett, extending, not not matching and bobbing and weaving, but take the ball and go. Like, let us get into this game. That's the key to the pitching staff, and, and I think it'll be clearly better. The good news is we get a chance. We'll talk one more time before opening day, and I'll, and I'll let you go through once guys have solidified their spots, and you can kind of tell me what you want to tell me about those guys that you've named as starters for that day or that weekend, and we can go through that. But I, I do have to ask you this before we, we sign off, and again, I just wanted to make sure we got a good overview here. So many new faces and new names. You mentioned one of them right out the gate. I get asked about this guy all the time, so I'll ask it to you. Cam Leiter throws four pitches for strikes, from what I can tell, and um, it, a lot of people are very excited. I don't want you to put undue pressure on folks, but I guess pitching was a problem a year ago. We both admit, admit that. You said that before the season that you were a little nervous about pitching depth, so it's good to hear you talk this positively about options and uh, depth and and guys that you think the fans should be excited about. Cam Leiter, it's intensity every pitch. Like, this guy is in it, on it, emotional, was in it last year a little bit as a freshman, but was a freshman. There aren't a ton of freshmen that step out in their finished products and ready to go. If that's the case, guess what? They're not on a college campus. So, you know, when they get there, there's something they're trying to hone in that craft. Jeff, this has been, I mean, we're talking 94 to 98, 90-mile-an-hour slider, over-the-top curveball, changeup is in play the emotional intensity and handling things that are going to come up. It's not going to be flawless. We're not going to throw perfect games every time we walk out there. There's going to be things that happen. There are going to be things outside of your control, umpire, defense, something unusual happens, staying on the rails, 
like focus, management of emotion, what's going on. That's where he's going to take that final step and become like a dude. We talk about dudes like they get we need dudes out there, a chance to be a front line, take the ball on a weekend, Friday or Saturday night and get this program and team into that series with some energy and some intensity. I've seen it Um, now repeating it every weekend. (laughs) That's that's where we land. And Jamie Arnold. You're talking yeah. about it, and we had to do it last year, Jeff. Like as a freshman, we asked him to to yeah. do some things that probably, you know, it's a lot to be a Saturday starter as a freshman in the, what was the toughest schedule in the country. Uh, but he's more seasoned. He understands himself. We're trying to get these guys to be the best versions of themselves. I think he's closer to that. Um, can he lengthen these things out? Um, Carson Dorsey, different lefty. You know, Jamie Arnold's slot is a lower, kind of a whippier crossfire slot. Dorsey's a little bit more over the top, totally different fastball, but those are two good dynamic lefties. And then Armstrong and Oxford and Holtz, um, probably more in shorter, more explosive spurts. Um, but yeah, th- those guys are going to be fun. Benny Barrett, Whitaker, you've seen them. Like, yeah. we get it. It's just the development and maturity and older and experience. You're going to be better for that. And, and and you'll see that out of out of those guys this year too. Next time I'll talk to you about Saucer and Abraham and some of the others and all these guys. It's gonna be fun. I just I'm glad we're talking baseball again, Link. I'm so ready for this, and I know you are too. I know as a coach, though, there's never enough time. There's never enough time. So, like you're probably thinking, yeah, it's great to be talking baseball, Jeff. Can you let me go do my job? So I'll let you go do that. <laughs> I'll let you go do that right now, Link. And uh, it's good catching up with you. I'll see you real soon, okay, buddy? Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, man. All right, take care. Link Jarrett, head baseball coach, Florida State University here on the Jeff Cameron Show. Good to have him back. Good to talk some Florida State baseball. It's going to be a better team this year, certainly. Uh, what a wild time. We'll we'll talk more baseball later on. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. All right, friends, let's talk about Factor. That's right. Two-minute meals fuel you up fast. Factor's restaurant quality meals at that, ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I use them for my family. I use them every day to eat nutritiously, but also I'm on the go and I want something calorie smart. There are times where I'll go a week worth of factors for lunch and I'll just go vegan or veggie. Other times I go pure keto. I can worry about, you know, whether it's vegetable uh, based or protein based or meat based or whatever it might be. They have the options for you all the way around. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout every time you do it. It's also flexible to your schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash Cameron50. I'm going to save you some money, guys. Do it up. It's delicious. Cameron50. Use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. That's code Cameron50 at factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. Trust me, delicious. You'll thank me. A lot of variety. Tasty. Factormeals.com slash Cameron50. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. up on the Jeff Cameron Show. Thanks to Link Jared. It was a uh, nice chat with the head man 
at Florida State, who's coming off a really tough season, but um, much more optimistic, what it sounds like to me. He's got some concerns about what they'll be defensively, but sounds like he feels better about the pitching, feels better overall offensively as well. It feels like uh, we got some guys who are going to play where they're supposed to play, which is nice. Knock on wood, because that was hard to stomach. A lot of things I can handle. I can handle being down in certain sports so you know that you're not going to be great forever. But uh, it was hard watching baseball be that bad and set a record for worst season for them. Can't feel can't feel uh, any worse than he did, certainly. So when you talk about – it's funny that the process of trying to bring in players and we talk about what it is for college football coaches every day, but it's obviously it adheres to uh, baseball and softball and soccer and everything else too. So it's a it's a weird time. It's a weird time. But soon enough, they'll be out there. They'll be good. It'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Memorial service this Saturday uh, at Hauser and then Fan Day on the uh, 18th and the season's underway and we're all watching baseball. That'll be good. A couple of notes on the memorial service on Saturday. The gates open at 1045 a.m. Uh, it The only gate that opens, there's only one if you're going to attend, and that is the main one by where the box office is. The home plate gate, the left field gate will not open. And there is one request, which is that you are in your seats by 1145 a.m. So gates open at 1045. You got an hour to get into a seat if you're going to go pay respects to the legend, to 11. But um, then after that, uh, just a few short days later, it's going to be Friday night at Hauser, and there's going to be a lot of those coming. I, I remember, you know, a few years ago for COVID, there was a brief period of time where Florida State did play baseball that season before it all got shut down, about a month's worth of time. And I remember, I've mentioned this before, but sitting under the oaks, I, I snapped a photo that's still the background of my phone just in case, because it felt like the world was getting a little squirrely. I'm like, man, I, I just hope we can get back here. It's always so special to to be around that ballpark, and uh, I look forward to it next week uh, for everybody that's able to go out there. It sounds like Link has got his arms around the situation a little bit more, a man with a plan and has some solutions to execute a plan a little bit better than last year. It would stink to have to bring in four to fill one, but just to protect yourself, you kind of have to do it, and that's the uh, landscape currently. I think everybody awaits – certain changes in college athletics that uh, still see the players benefit the way that we thought they should for years, but also make sense uh, for the, for, for, for the programs, the coaches, the players themselves, and, 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 you know, obviously the sport, um, any sport in, in college athletics right now, which who, who knows how soon we, we get to that. I, I, I do wonder. And you know what I did a moment ago? just to see if it would pop up because I know how close we are to pitchers and catchers reporting in Major League Baseball. I wanted to see, because I have a certain site I go to, Tom, where I type in probables. And at that site where you type in probables, they'll tell you, you know, once the season gets going, they'll tell you probables that are a week out. So you can find guys that are scheduled to start 10 days from now or something along those lines. And here, yeah, I was, I was like, I'm going to type it in. But, alas, I could not find a single – Probable, but luckily, I can find 74 Zaxby's in Tallahassee, Florida. Mm. So that is the important part of what we're getting in here just at the tail end. My apologies to the great Zaxby's and those Zaxby's platters, of Man. which I may partake this weekend. 
So the platters are perfect for tailgating no matter where you are, but the platter and Hauser seems to go, and the Oaks seems to go very nicely together. I just, you know what? I think when I get back down there um, in March and April, I think I'm there for maybe six games I get to choose from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I might sneak in some Texas toast and into the game. So you have a little Texas toast to go along with, with a tall, cold one. Mm-hmm. That is a nice one-two punch right there. Well, thank you. thankfully, you have so many options on your way to the stadium. So many Zaxby's. They're everywhere. It's, it's going to be incredible. By the way, to answer the question before the tournament starts tomorrow, sprinkled some pizza money at plus 425 on Chase and Hadley to finish top 25. Luke List at plus 325 to finish top 20. And Tom Hoagie at plus 300 to finish top 20. Uh, and then I've got some other head-to-head bets. And then I've got lineups for my DraftKings. Uh, I'm not going to give those out because I'd like to beat you. Not you, mm-hmm. Tom, but the people out there. So Sure, yeah. but my guess is Luke List or Chesson Hadley or Tom Hoagie. He might Hoagie be on there. Probably- There's some combinations, perhaps. There are others, too, buddy. There are others, I'm too. Sure there um, but that's that's the way it works. So I wanted to get that in before it was all said and done. Ah, uh, that's me saying goodbye. Good work out of you, Tom. Thank you, Link. Good job, Director. Thanks to all of you. Be well. Have a great rest of your day. Peace.